Language is an unequivocal representation of our society and how we use it often sets the precedent for what is tolerated, accepted and passed down through generations. So what are some of the ways in which our language contributes to a patriarchal society and how do phrases like you throw like a girl or you're a man hater ultimately affect equality? Let's talk. She, a podcast for the non-traditional woman. I'm Tiana. And I'm Sophie. And And we're we're a a couple. couple. Join us as we break down the modern feminine experience and explore an alternative view on what it means to be a woman in today's society. Hey everyone and welcome to our 31st episode of SHE, an acronym for Shifting Her Experience. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Shifting Her Experience and send us a DM to be featured as our next Woman of the Week. Yeah, follow us on Instagram and be sure to rate our podcast on Apple so we can give you a shout out. Yeah, definitely. And you know, leave us a review so we can shout out your name. And on that topic, we want to get started by shouting out our Woman of the Week, Angela Sprinkles, who sent us a message on Instagram sharing her experience Uh, on this very topic and the language we use in society when it comes to talking about men versus talking about women. So thanks, Angela, for reaching out. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing your personal experience and basically how the oppression of women is still a topic that is alive and well. Um, And we're finally getting to this topic. So the topic of shifting our language. It's been on our podcast to-do list for a long time now, but we really just wanted to flesh it out so we could do it justice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And when talking about shifting our language what we mean is changing our mindset and vocabulary surrounding anti-women language that we don't even realize we use exactly oftentimes oppressive language is so embedded into our culture that we don't realize how this adds to inequality people often think of inequality between men and women in regards to you know let's say the wage gap but in reality it's so much more than that it's the lack of respect in all areas as opposed to like another so and this includes like the very language we use which is what we're going to talk about today yeah yeah in the lead up to this episode Tiana and I noticed a lot of one-sided sentences and adjectives used to describe women in society and you know we want to point out the the subtle everyday inequalities that women are subjected to rather than you know the obvious subjugation that many assume is the only type of oppression that women are subjected to. Exactly. So we're going to talk about our language, the words, vocabulary, adjectives that we use in society to, you know, differentiate between women and men. And these examples are a lot more common and mainstream than you think. Yeah, they're very, very common. (laughs) So let's jump right in then. Um, I think it's only appropriate to start this episode um, with the term man-haters. Ironically, a term both of us hate. (laughs) Um, I never agree with this statement, especially when it's directed to feminists, queer women, single women, or just women who like design their own lives. And frankly, calling certain women man-haters is just another way that the patriarchy puts women down. Yeah, yeah. The term man-haters has really overshadowed the woman-hating culture that is our world. Yes. So oh my when God, we, yes. Yeah. When we use the term uh, man-haters when referring to loud, assertive women, we see our society again protecting men while attacking women in the process. So assertive women are considered man-haters and like you said Tiana, feminists are also considered man-haters and lesbians are man-haters. Yeah, we've heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, the very utterance of of that sentence man-haters means that, 
you know, we're not supposed to be putting men in a bad light. We're supposed to be putting the women in a bad light. Mm. We're not supposed to look at toxic masculinity and question it. We're not supposed to look at a man's role in patriarchy and see what went wrong. We're supposed to look at the woman's role. We're supposed to take the responsibility off men and put it on the woman. Hence the term man-hater. Oh, definitely. Society like expects that, you know, exactly what you just explained. So, and you know, those who use the term man-haters to describe assertive women use this term because they see this anger projected at men by women and they don't like it. Mm. So society has been cushioning patriarchy for a very long time while lowering women to subservient, dependent beings who are not capable of making decisions like men are. So when women, rightfully so, stand up and challenge this, it disrupts patriarchy. Absolutely. But, you know, being angry with patriarchy is justifiable. You know, being called a man-hater is yet again another form of oppressing a woman's voice for standing up for herself. Now, a lot of people don't believe that we are still living in patriarchy and that women and men are equal now. Which, if this is your belief or your reality, you are awfully privileged. Like, or you <laughs> I'm aren't glad e- you said that. Yeah, or you aren't even recognizing how you're being oppressed. Mm, well, Exactly. Yeah. Well, we, we'd like to, you know, paint a picture of patriarchy for you all and, you know, what exactly it looks like. Yeah. So let's chat about the term daddy issues. Ugh, this yeah. is one of our examples on today's episode. So this statement is used as an insult to girls and women. And, you know, it implies that it's the girl's fault that she has issues with her father. When we use this term casually in society, and we do... You know, what it does is it takes the responsibility off men who have failed as fathers and instead puts the blame on the daughter. That is such a good point. And I think a lot of people overlook that word. And I couldn't agree more. We make light of this term or Mm. use it as a way to shame women for the mistakes of a man. Exactly. Yeah, we use this language so casually in society that we absolutely do not consider where this language actually comes from. For sure. And I never liked this phrase for obvious reasons. It never sat right with me. It's also a way that society, one, yes, protects men, but also like an umbrella term that like men use to describe women or even women use to describe other women that they don't even know. So people Mm. almost use it to like predict the actions of a woman or justify why a woman behaves a certain way we think like a woman with daddy issues is broken because of a man's actions when I don't believe that to be the case um, there are far too many absent fathers to use this as like an easy out of daddy issues absolutely yeah it's definitely like what you just said it's a it's a shortcut to understanding someone mental shortcut yeah, we've talked about that before sh- we, it's a, yeah it's a mental shortcut exactly yeah and just even moving on from that another example begins as early as when children are in school. The phrase we've heard so much, boys will be boys. Yep, another example of taking the responsibility of men. Like boys are going to grow up to be men who think they're never in the wrong and that they don't have to look at their actions and their words and what they said and what they did. So when you say, oh, boys will be boys, let them do that. Like you're, you're just setting them up to get away with things when they're an adult. They need to, you know... Boys need to take accountability for their actions because men are not. Yeah, the boys will be boys phrase is just such an excuse. So we need to do better there. Um, (laughs) Or even another least favorite of mine that, 
you know, I'd hear boys in, in the schoolyard toss around a lot. The phrase you throw like a girl or you run like a girl. Yeah. I was really athletic growing up and I always played on sports teams like with or against boys or co-ed, whatever. And not to toot my own horn, but in elementary school, I was a lot better than some of the boys at certain sports. So if this was ever said to me, I'd show them up real quick, but <laughs> I'd also hear a lot of boys say it to each other or say it to my, you know, female friends. And I actually even want to, it just makes me think of this here. There's an ad that always did actually, uh, that confronts young women's confidence. And they asked young girls ranging from like, I don't know, ages six to 18. I'm sure some of, some of you have seen it. And they asked, you know, what does it mean to run like a girl? And the younger the girl was in this ad, the more confidence they had to just like run normally as they would. The older girls, however, did this like stereotypically like a week run. And this is where it starts. Something like you throw like a girl or you do blank like a girl is something so easily said and embedded into our language. We don't even think about how this puts women down starting from such a young age. It implies that women are inherently weak. And, you know, of course, I beg to differ. So absolutely. It implies that we are weak. And you know what the really sad thing is here? Women are using this. Mm. You know, we were watching Friends the other day and I don't know what episode it was, but um, I think it was when they were all playing like uh, football on Thanksgiving and they were (laughs) saying to Rachel or someone said like, oh, you throw like a girl. But it was one of the girls that said it. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, Jesus Christ, like we're really putting ourselves down here. Like, listen listen to that very sentence. That very sentence doesn't just mean, oh, you're bad at throwing. It means you're weak and you can't do certain things that men do. That's exactly what it means. Yeah, and that's a great point. I think it's something people easily throw around. So just another example of how we need to not do that (laughs) or use the word as something empowering. Empowering. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because moving on to a word that I feel like women need to reclaim and women are reclaiming it um, is the word pussy. This is used as another indication that you're weak we use it to describe men and we use it to describe women we say oh he's a pussy yeah you know she's a pussy a pussy is also a reference to a vagina that women have that females have so I mean I like to think of you know how like we can reclaim that word because there's another uh, word with a very negative connotation used against women well yeah and like you know people could relate that to oh but what about like the phrase you're a dick and Mm. But this is the thing. Being a dick is a negative connotation of your attitude, something you can change. Being a pussy refers to your innate weakness. Yeah, that's that's the difference for me. They're different. And the way people throw it around are very different. They are very different. Yeah, the two of them have very different meanings. And, you know, this is why I love how Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion reclaimed the word pussy in WAP and rapping about their own body parts. Like, she didn't use pussy to refer to her weakness. Exactly. And she didn't let some, you know, male rapper come in and rap about her pussy either. She did. (laughs) It was a very interesting conversation to have. But a lot of people have, like, a really hot take on WAP. And it's like, she is singing rapping talking about her own body yeah she can do that um for too long we've had too many songs with pussy being thrown around by guys and it has not been in a good light at all so I think you know I mean I'm a fan I love it well I had seen all these debates after that song came out like oh it's offensive to women or oh it's not offensive it's empowering and you're entitled to have your own opinion but men rap about like sexually graphic things and use pussy as a term for weakness or sexual conquest Mm. and society applauds it and sing along and that's coming from me like I love rap I love hip-hop so if Cardi B and Megan like two women want to reclaim the word pussy and use it in a song that isn't putting down the female body or degrading it 
um, which is so often is the opposite, then like, of course, I'm for it. Yeah, she's not putting down her body. She's actually celebrating her sexuality. Yes. She's celebrating sex. She's owning the fact that she has it. Because so like so often we're told, like, you know, you made a really good point in one of our episodes. Women are taught to be sexy without being sexual. Like, here's a song, two women singing about having sex and owning it. Yeah. They're, you can't get more empowering than that. And if you find it offensive, that is just probably a result of patriarchy. Probably, exactly. WAP is definitely um, a form of empowering. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, moving on, we have a really another really interesting concept um, when talking about uh, shifting our language and the words that we use um, to describe women and stuff like that. So we want to talk about the, the titles of Mrs, Ms and Miss. So it seems that a woman's relationship status is very important for society to know. <laughs> society needs to know whether a woman is single, married, widow, widowed or divorced. I'm so happy you brought that up because I remember recognizing this as a kid and finding it so confusing. <laughs> I used to ask my mom all the time, you know, like why there were so many versions of titles for women, especially because my mom went by Ms, you know, like MS, kind of as like a bitch, you don't need to know about me. That's none of your business, you know. <laughs> Um, But when you think about it, for a man, the only title that exists is Mr., of course, you know. So so why is this? Yeah, well, our relationship to men, whether we don't have one or we do, is important for society to be aware of. Mm. Without this link to men, how else does society know how to treat us? Oh, yeah, how do they know? (laughs) Something, you know, to think about. Um, Men's relationships to women don't seem to affect their status at all. But a woman's relationship to a man definitely does. Yeah, it's very true. Even in an LGBTQ relationship, that question of, well, who's the man, still gets asked to two women in a relationship. Yeah, we as if we, a lot. Yeah, as if we can't possibly exist without a man by association. <laughs> oh, I'm so like, glad we, you said that. We good, don't worry. <laughs> and it's the same reason that we bombard women who are single and ask them why they aren't married it's still all in relation to the language we use and how we see women versus men in society absolutely and you know when we talk about all of these inequalities no matter how big or small do you understand like the need for feminism I feel like after listening to like this conversation you'd be like oh yeah I guess like you know yeah we do like we need feminism like do you see why women are angry I think our anger is very justifiable um but just like how the average man doesn't like to be blamed for patriarchy because they don't you know no man likes to think of his wife's sister or his friend living in patriarchy but Feminism is way more important than the reference of man-hating, for example, like we said earlier. Feminism is about dismantling the patriarchy. You know, the patriarchy that molds young boys into using the language that we've just mentioned and as well teaches young girls to put up with it. So what's interesting is that feminism actually aims to save men from patriarchy, not hate men. Yeah, we don't want y'all stuck in that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But in the saving, we also have to empower women. You know, empower women to stand up for our equal rights, uh, for our coexistence with men, for our equal safety on the streets, for equal respect when using words to describe each other. Like, we do need feminism. When we empower women, it does tend to be met with man-hating and and all of these negative ways of using language. Well, yeah, and point blank, women hate patriarchy, but society has created 
its own type of movement that thinks of feminism as a movement to steer clear of. But feminists didn't create the bad name for themselves. Patriarchy did. And let's remember that. We said this in our second episode about redefining what the term, you know, feminist means for you and going back to the root of what feminism is about. And I think that's just what we're talking, talking about here. Like if you're a man, what language are you using to talk about women? And that's exactly the type of question that feminism asks. You know, take, for example, how how Trump talks about women who stand up for themselves. He has called women, you know, nasty woman, disgusting, a crazed crying lowlife, a dog. Mm. He even went as far as to call a woman horse face. You know, this is the language used to describe women by men in present in the present day. The president, no yeah. less. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if we're talking about language and the need to shift it, that is a great example. Women get called all kinds of names, but if you're an assertive, powerful woman, it's only going to be multiplied, you know, but obviously don't let that shit stop you from using your voice, but... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's us women too who have to shift our language. Um, But yeah, since we're talking about language and vocabulary and words, I want to just quickly go back to discussing feminism and what the word actually means. So I was talking to someone once before who believed in the importance of feminism, but couldn't understand why a movement that was fighting for equality among the sexes used a term with a female pronoun in it. And They asked me, well, you know, if it's a movement for equality, why not make up a word that encompasses neither male or female descriptions? And while I understand their point to a certain degree, I couldn't help but think about the many words in our vocabulary to describe both men and women with the term man in it. Yes. You know, there's human, mankind, history, which is basically his story, not to mention all the jobs with the word man in it. As well as that, though, I pointed out to them that the ones who are not equal are women, females. The ones that need the platform to be recognized are women. The ones who need the spotlight in this movement are the ones who the movement represents, you know, who the movement is named after. Only by giving women a platform and a voice and recognition can we begin to see equality. So I think feminism is a great word to use for equality among the genders because it's one of the genders that is not equal. Exactly. It's highlighting the, you know, gender that is not equal. And also, like, if you're offended by that word, think of all the jobs we use with the term man in it. You know, businessman, anchorman, weatherman, policeman, mm. fireman, mm-hmm. chairman, doorman, handyman. Like, we obviously have, however, started to change a lot of these job titles to include all genders, which is the way it should be, you know, like weather person, business person police officer, fire uh, fighter for a second. I forgot what the gender neutral term was for fireman. Um, look at me. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're a victim to it as well. <laughs> exactly. However, we tend to see these inclusive job titles more so in professional scenarios. Like if you were to check off your occupation on a form or something, we don't hear them too much in everyday life. People still tend to associate these as male dominated jobs. Exactly. Really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, (laughs) Well, I have another interesting example that I want to quickly mention about our language and choice of words that I believe is very important for women to know. So we've spent the entire episode mentioning certain phrases and words that are born out of a male dominated world. Another example of this is our body parts. Yes, that's right. Female anatomy has been named after 
the male scientists and doctors who discovered them. Exactly. Our body parts have been named by men and after men. Yeah, a bunch of white dead men live <laughs> immortal in our pelvic region. Did you know that, ladies? Oh my god. I didn't definitely didn't know that until we we researched and you you told me that. Well, yeah, fun fact of the day. This is a mouthful now, okay. Uh, <laughs> the pouch of Douglas, which is a small area in the female body behind the uterus, is named after the 17th century anatomist so a long time ago, James Douglas, right? And then you have Bartholin's glands, which are two small organs under the skin in a woman's genital area, which are named after Caspar Bartholin. And then you have the fallopian tubes, named after Gabriel Fallopian. Oh, God. And that famous Grafenberg spot, a.k.a. the G-spot, named after Ernest Grafenberg. And there's also our hymen, named after a masculine Greek god of marriage, who was a man. <laughs> well, yeah, when you put it like that, I just want to rename them all myself. Like, well, yeah, it takes I away mean, from all the good. <laughs> exactly. Well, I know, like, they were, like, random things to, to just bring up. But I think they're really important to consider. Because women couldn't work in medicine back then or in, in the scientific fields. So women weren't even there to name their own body parts. We, we couldn't even medically examine our own biology and come up with a suitable name for our parts. <laughs> Men have literally been governing women's bodies with their own names. Yeah, I really love that you said that. And I really love that you mentioned governing women's bodies because yeah. that's still going on today. So whether it be naming female body parts or imposing restrictions on bodily autonomy, mm. it's just it's always something. Exactly. We do not have enough say. So what's your takeaway on today's episode, Soph? Uh, yeah, short and simple. Um, you know, we need to start taking a look at where the origins of the words that we use actually come from and think twice before we use them. You know, and especially those phrases like boys will be boys, you know, you throw like a girl. These are used at a very young age. And, you know, we need to remember our thought culture is predominantly male. Therefore, our language is predominantly male. This is inequality, folks. Like, this yeah. is an example <laughs> of inequality between women and men. Our language and how we use it essentially defines our society. Yep, I couldn't agree more. For me, my takeaway for this episode is basically that in order to create a more equal society, like you were saying, Language needs to be discussed. It may seem like such a small part of the battle for equality, but all it does is show that patriarchy is alive and well, and women are still, quote unquote, living in a man's world. So think of the ways in which you use language and how people around you use it. And, you know, just one more thing. If you or someone you know questions the need for feminism and believes that our society treats women as equals to men, I'd love to hear your response to this episode. Absolutely. I think that's something we talk about in nearly every episode is that like people don't really know what women talk about when they say inequality. We forget that it's we forget su that something as subtle as language that we don't even notice. We're way too casual when it comes to inequality, way too casual. And our society is very much still oppressive towards women and 
That's a fact. Yeah. No debate from me there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up today's episode. Um, we love hearing your stories and how you're living a non-traditional life. So keep them coming and follow us on Instagram at Shifting Her Experience. And send us a DM on Instagram or review our podcast on Apple to be featured as our next Woman of the Week. And make sure you download, rate and review our podcast and share it with your friends to spark a further discussion on this topic. And let us know if there are any other ways in which, as a society, we need to shift our language. See you next Tuesday. Bye.